Have you guys uh, heard the uh, the term, the acronym? I don't know what it is, but uh, ROI. It's kind of a business term. Uh, it's a return on investment. And uh, I get this uh, this question sometimes of, uh, are you a spirit-filled church? And like I've been around the church circle enough to know what people mean by that. Uh, what I would answer is like, yeah, we're a spirit-filled church because we are a bunch of people filled by the Spirit uh, pursuing the mission of God. Uh, and so I think for us, there's a fair question to ask of ourselves as individuals. We have the Holy Spirit living up inside of us. What would we expect of that investment that's been made inside of us to produce? It's a question that we can ask in so many different circles. Uh, I just got back on uh, Wednesday uh, mid-morning uh, from Brazil. I was honored uh, to spend some time there. Uh, me and uh, Pastor Ken from Bayside Chapel uh, went down there uh, to help uh, Brazilian church planters be assessed by local Brazilian church planters uh, if, God, if there's a calling on their lives and uh, to go and start other churches. So we went down there to help the assessors because it was their first time. And while I was down there, uh, I got to see uh, a return on our investment to use that type of terminology. We're pouring $5,000 a year uh, into southern uh, Brazil. And uh, we just had, I lost it, well, anyways. Uh, we had this little uh, card that would show us uh, all the, the region and where all these different towns that they're praying for the, uh, for the first gospel-centered uh, church to be a part of. And so we're helping a guy named uh, Rafa. You can see him up on, uh, up on the screen. I uh, brought down some Wellspring uh, t-shirts, and so he was rocking one. And uh, before, in April, when a group of us went down, it was just a thought and a prayer uh, to start a church in uh, Pelosa. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. I'll get corrected afterwards. And, uh, and so uh, they thought and prayed about it. But this time, they're actually, Elaine, you can scroll through some. I think there's three pictures there. Uh, I got to preach there. Uh, and so they have a Viva uh, church. They now have a building meeting in some kind of like industrial area. And, uh, and so we, I preached a message on uh, praying for one and uh, inviting people to say yes to a relationship with Jesus and then going after uh, people that don't know Jesus to help them know Jesus. And afterwards, we were invited uh, to lunch at, uh, at somebody's house, and it was just nothing short of awesome. And so I got to see firsthand a return on investment. <laughs> we're pouring money in, and so it's reasonable for us to ask, what in the hands of Jesus Christ? in the hands of the Holy Spirit, is being done with that money? Are you using it just to buy t-shirts? Are you doing it to build God's kingdom? And so what I saw firsthand was God's kingdom being built and a return on investment. So praise God for that. So as we think, yeah, go clap. Yeah, it's awesome. We looked at six different church planners in the next year and a half in southern Brazil there'll be likely 14 churches uh, started in areas that don't have a gospel-centered church. So praise God uh, for that. And so as we think about that sort of thinking, you and I who have said yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ, the second you said yes to Jesus, the second he justified you by, the, by his blood being spilt for you, and, he, and when you said, yes, I receive that in faith, then you became holy and perfect before God because of the blood of Jesus. At that point, the Holy Spirit enters inside of you because you are a, a clean vessel, to use that sort of terminology. You are clean, and the Holy Spirit sees you now as perfect and enters up inside of you. What should you expect out of that? 
If God were to look, hey, I invested my spirit into you, what should I expect out of that investment? And I think we get caught as Christians sometimes thinking, yes, I am clean, I am perfect before God, but we fall back into this old way of, de of the dead life. That old us that should be dead, 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 and we find ourselves living alive in Christ, but trying to dress up an old corpse. What I want to look at today is I want us to simply consider this return on investment as men and women that have the Holy Spirit living up inside of us. But let me make this point super, super clear as we talk about this. I'm going to talk about things today that should be produced out of us. Here's what I am not saying. Do a bunch of good flowing into salvation. You will never, ever ever, ever hear that message preached here, so help me God. <laughs> what you will hear here is that Jesus Christ is wildly in love with you, <laughs> and he has such a better life for you. <laughs> and as believers in Jesus Christ, we want to live like Jesus. So from a point of salvation, we then flow into, by the power of the Holy Spirit, a God refining us to Christ's likeness. And so from a point of salvation, God is working on each one of us to be a little bit more like Jesus. And so that's what we are talking about today. So we're going to turn the page uh, to uh, Titus chapter 3. Uh, that's where we'll be hanging out today. You can Google it. Uh, Titus 3 ESV it will pop up. It will be on the screens. It's in the weekly rundown. Uh, and so first, let me, uh, let me just pray, uh, pray one more time. God, as we unpack your word, um, Father, a dude standing on a stage uh, is completely powerless, is completely meaningless. Um, Father, we need a move of your spirit. Um, Father, the, the spirit that will be moving inside of people that are, are sitting here or watching, um, Father, it's the Holy Spirit, Lord, your Holy Spirit inside of us that will make sense of anything that's being said. Um, Holy Spirit, would you use these words to bring about the Christ-likeness that you so desire in each of our lives? Um, Holy Spirit, would you put me aside and um, would you use this time for your purposes? In your name, amen. Uh, Titus chapter 3 says, remind them, remind them, these are people, remind them, those that have faith in Jesus Christ, those that have committed their lives to Jesus Christ, some of us here. Okay, so here's a reminder that Paul is giving to us. Uh, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. Ouchie. Uh, to be obedient, to be uh, ready for every good work, to speak of evil of no one, to avoid quarreling. Man, and he wrote this before social media. Uh, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy to all people. For we ourselves were once, past tense, Foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing uh, uh, pa uh, pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. So remind them, those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ, to live differently, <laughs> to live distinctly different than the rest of the world. That if you walk into your workplace and you were to say, I am a Christian, they should say, ah, it makes sense now because you're different. Not a weirdo, maybe a little weird, but you're different because you're kind, loving, patient, gentle, joyous. Paul is saying here to remind them to be uh, submissive to rulers and authorities. That's the government. Not merely to respect, but he's saying full compliance to laws and directives. 
that Christians are not to be uh, anarchists, that we're not to be rebels, we're not to uh, subvert, uh, subvert the government uh, until the point where we are, it's either obey the government or obey God. And so that, in that case, it's always obey God above everything else. But we as Christians far too often say, well, well for, for the sake of, and then we say why we can't obey the government. Do you know when Paul wrote this? Obama wasn't in office. Bush wasn't in office. Trump wasn't in office. You know who was in office when Paul wrote this? Nero! You know who Nero was? A pagan, worshiping, moral, corrupt, cruel, oppressive, worshipful, uh, uh, murderous, unjust, sexually immoral, sadistic person, corrupt to his very core. And, and Paul is saying to them, obey the laws of the land. Be prepared to do good. And we think we're oppressed because XYZ is in office. Remind them to be obedient, ready for every good work. That's different than just like, hey, when somebody comes around and says, hey, can you throw $20 into this, uh, this fundraiser? Oh, sure, I'll throw 20 in. This is different. This is being ready for the opportunity. Living lives where like we're not so maxed out, our schedule is not so maxed out that we don't have time to go lake re- uh, reeking or leaf raking after church. <laughs> that, that, hey, well, well, when it comes time for that $20, that we're not so maxed out that we have things worked into our budget, worked into our schedule that we can actually respond and be ready to do good. Hey, remind them, those that are distinctly different, to speak no evil. Speak of what is holy. Use your mouth for good, not to tear people down. Bleeds in to remind them to avoid quarreling. Even when fighting could work for you an advantage, there's no need to get lost in all the needless fighting when we're fighting for the sake of the gospel. Remind them, those who are called to be different, to be gentle and courteous to what? All people not just those of your political bent, not those of your same skin color, not those of your same gender, not those of your same economic status. Be courteous, gentle, and loving to all people. Can you imagine if Christians memorized that portion of scripture and truly lived it out? What gets in our way? As we unmask average, to kind of point to the name of this series, if we were to live an unaveraged life like that, what, what prevents us? Well, Paul said it. It's living as you once were. You get caught up in living in the old you that you can't live out the new you. And so what's the old you? Well, you were once foolish. You were given in to all sorts of different types of sins and, and that made you foolish. Sin deceives, makes you stupid. You were once disobedient. You, were, you, weren't, you didn't subject, subject yourself to rules. You were led astray. Uh, astray. You were slaves to passions and to, and to pleasures. Those, those things, your sensual, selfish nature, are, me, 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 that is what controlled you. You were once in the days of malice. You were once in the days of envy. You were once in the days where you hated others and you were hated by others. Paul is kind of saying, hey, remember that one time where you kind of sucked? <laughs> remember that one time when you were kind of a terrible human being? Well, praise be to God that Jesus died for that terrible person so that you can live a new and different life. His point is that the old you can't remain true in the new you. That new you has to be distinctly different. You were called to be different, night and day different. So while I was in Brazil, 
thinking through this text. Uh, this came up on my uh, social media. This was uh, on my, one of my uh, stories. It came up, and I'm sitting next to Pastor Ken uh, from Bayside Chapel. And I, and I literally turned, took my phone, I turned to him, and I said, here we go again. <laughs> and I wasn't even talking about Trump. I was talking about my very last panic attack <laughs> when I was, felt like I was in the middle of a political fight as a church leader. <laughs> I don't want to go back to those days. I'm sick of those days. And I have to embrace that every four years, every two years of midterm elections, blah, 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 that I'm going to hear from the church at large more about where they stand politically than where they stand for Jesus. I have to tell you as a pastor, I am so sick of that. I am so sick of being able to articulate clearly where Christian men and women stand on abortion and guns and the police or X, Y, you name whatever social issue. I can, tell for, I can tell where many people stand on that issue, but I would never be able to articulate where they really stand for Jesus. <laughs> and that is so sad. I wonder if we, could, if we could memorize that passage and just know like, man, it all kind of works out, doesn't it? <laughs> like we have a job to do. Like now, like I'm getting a little, a little bit older, gray hair, yeah, okay. Like, but here's where that's a privilege to me. I have voted in certain elections. I have voted in the, uh, in the what was it, George W. and Kerry. I voted in the Obama-McCain uh, election. I voted in Obama-Romney. I, vo I voted for Trump or, or Clinton. I voted for Trump or Biden. I, I've been in now multiple elections, and guess what? My job as a Christian has remained the exact same. Love the world around me. Because what do politicians do? They create fear, 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 fear. And then they are the answer to step into that fear. And we get so caught up in it. Get caught up in Jesus. Who cares who's in office? Yes, vote because it's your civic duty. Vote your conscience. Please do that. But let's not lose sight of what? Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, be obedient, be ready to do every good work, speak no evil, and to avoid quarreling, be gentle and show perfect courtesy to all people. Please memorize that verse. And please speak it to yourself every two years and then every four years. <laughs> because that's our, how we move forward and live distinctly different. Paul moves on and he says, when, when, but when the, goodness of the, uh, when the goodness and the loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, this is what we read during the worship set, he saved us. Remember that train wreck that you and I were? Well, Jesus stepped into that train wreck of a, of a humanity. Not because of, of works done by righteousness, because like really, when we think about the old us, what was so righteous about us? But according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly, uh, through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being what? Justified by his grace, unmerited favor, that we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What was the motivation of Jesus to come to the filth of this earth? Was not, man, they seem like a pretty good people that I would love to hang out with. He was motivated by love. What does Romans say? It's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance, that Jesus came to walk among us to give us mercy and to show us mercy. To extend mercy denotes behavior that needs mercy. <laughs> so it wasn't our righteousness. You, did, you were not just so good for so long that all of a sudden you became a Christian. 
No, you became a Christian when you said, I absolutely need the mercy of God. (laughs) And I believe that he died for me. And in that, he is so gracious to give me life and to give me the Holy Spirit. This says that we are rich. Why are we rich? Because regeneration is the removal of filth in your life, said negatively, but then positively, it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. That we have, we're removing filth from our life, that old train wreck of a self. And now we have the Holy Spirit living up inside of us. What a rich gift that we have an inheritance, that he would share his inheritance with us. Glory forever after. And we get the Holy Spirit to walk through this broken world. That you and I have that face the brokenness of this world just like anybody else. We do, but we face it with the power of the Holy Spirit. We were broken and now we have been justified before God. It's not because we obeyed for some certain amount of time. It's because Jesus stepped in and said, I'm going to pay the penalty that you should pay having lived the life that you should have lived, and therefore you are justified. It's not because of anything you did, it's because of what he did. And so because of what he did, we know his goodness, his kindness, his love, his mercy, and his grace. Levi Lusko says this. This is how he describes grace. It's up on the screen. It's a little acronym for you. God's riches at Christ's expense. That you and I are richly blessed because of one reason, Christ's expense. That Christ poured his life out for you and I for the betterment of you and I. And so as I read this passage, here's the question. Do we walk around understanding that we are richly blessed? Would we walk around saying, man, there is a person that is so joyous and understands the, the, the name of Jesus, understands the glory of Jesus, understands that Jesus justified somebody that in and of himself has no reason to be justified. Or do we walk around complaining and grumbling, showing to the one that has richly blessed us that, man, we don't really get it. I started writing this and I, I copied it in my notes. I was writing this at 11.16 a.m. on Wednesday morning. I I left uh, Florianopolis, Brazil, at about 6 p.m. the night before. I traveled overnight. I don't know if you've ever uh, traveled overnight on a plane. It's not like sleeping on feathers. It is awful. And so I woke up. We got an Uber back. Uh, We didn't get back home till around like 10 or 11 or whatever. And so right away, as I'm writing this, I am. It's been about 24 hours, less than 24 hours of just travel. I'm tired and I'm overwhelmed because I have to write a whole sermon. I have kids and family that want my attention. I have a dog that really wants my attention. I'm feeling so overwhelmed that I wanted to just say, hey, can you all just be patient with me? Can you all be gracious to me? Can you all just kind of understand a little bit? And as I was writing this, I was like, man, if I start to, to use the kind of the word lament, if I start lamenting, that shows I don't understand the grace that went into this trip. Do you know why I went? Because somebody gave our church $100,000 early in the year and we got to open up some budget line items. It was somebody else that made it possible. You know, like last night we had a volunteer party. We had ice cream and pies, oh my, it was great. I didn't do anything for it. I wasn't there to prepare it. But others did, the Wilsons, the Reagas, Kathy, a whole bunch of people went in to make that happen. I didn't do a darn thing. 
You know, before I left for the trip, uh, Maddie Regas uh, sat Ken and I down and gave us each a green folder. Inside of this folder was a whole bunch of details. Here's our plane, here's our rental, here's our hotel, sticky notes to make it idiot-proof, all these things. I didn't prepare a darn thing. She literally handed me this folder, spent an hour and a half walking through every single uh, uh, point. Don't be an idiot. Don't screw this up. Okay, I got it. And it went perfectly. So if I were to complain and lament when I got back, even being a little bit tired, that'd be a slap in the face of those that put work in at my expense. So as you talk, as you grumble and complain, and this should be a place where you walk in here tired. You walk in here uh, a little overwhelmed by life, okay? We all face that. Now, embrace that for a moment. In that moment, are you still blessed? In that moment, human nature wants to lament, wants to complain, wants to get everybody else to be empathetic towards us or sympathetic, and there's room for that. And there's a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations, (laughs) It's about lamenting, but we must be so careful because sometimes we complain about the blessing to the blesser, and that's a huge issue for us as humanity. We, d- kids do it, right? Oh, like, oh, mom, this, this kid, he gets to do this. He gets to go here. He gets to spend this money. He gets to Meanwhile, you're complaining to the mom working overtime just for you to have what you have. You, you, don't, you lose sight of that graciousness. Or we're in a, we're in a position where I, I got promoted January 1st, and now, hey, now it's November, and I'm coming towards the end of the year review, and I'm complaining about the workload, the workload, all my responsibilities. I'm so overwhelmed, I'm so overwhelmed, I'm so overwhelmed. To the person that last year put his or her neck out on the line for you, because maybe you're not qualified, but they're like, I'm going to take a chance on this person. And now they're complaining about what? And so as we think about this passage, how richly blessed we are in Christ Jesus, do we walk around communicating to the world around us that we are a blessed people because we have Jesus? Here's how Paul closes out this section. He says, the saying is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful careful to devote themselves to what? Good works. Those that have believed in God, you believe in God, out of believing in God, out of believing in God, out of believing in God, be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for what? For people, for everybody around you. When you are doing good works in the name of Jesus, everybody wins. (laughs) The world around you wins. Our ministry is to lead people to Jesus as we live like Jesus. You and I have a bank account that is wildly filled with everything that is Jesus Christ. And why has Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, filled our bank account? So that we would go and we were to produce good works. Why? To be the benefit to other people, so that other people would be profitable. We have already profited. We have inheritance with Christ Jesus. We know how the story ends. And so we don't have to worry about, should my bank account go up? Your bank account is full. So go and do good works for the betterment of other people. You don't go back to that old life. You don't go back to living like a fool. You go back to living as one with the knowledge that Jesus Christ has richly blessed me. I have everything I need in Jesus. That old you is dead and has been replaced with life in Jesus so that you and I could be careful. 
not just reactive, but careful to do good works. I was taught uh, early on how to be careful with this game. Have you guys ever played it? I don't know, what, four years old? You get a little, it's like really weird, right? Like, you get like little fake bones and you're like, try explaining that. And, uh, and some of these don't even make sense. And, and you're not allowed to like, because uh, that means you're bad. You're not being careful. I didn't care to be careful at this game. What was fun for me was seeing his little nose light up. I didn't care about winning. I just wanted to see homeboy's nose light up. But there are some people, like the nerds that were not, like, were the A students? Like, us D's get degrees, kids. We were like, ha, 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 But everybody else was like, I want to win. And they were so careful. Oh, there's that bone. Da, 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 da. To be careful, you have to be focused. You have to be steady. You have to be intentional and know this one goes in this spot, not that one. The wishbone can't go there. That will, eh, nope. You have to be intentional, be focused. You have to be steady. What would it be like for the church that's wildly in love with Jesus to look at good works, not as reactionary, like, oh, I'll do it as it comes, but to be really focused, careful, genuine, at some, at some level, there's a spiritual operation that needs to happen on every single human has ever walked this earth. Because what is my Jesus? What did he say? I came as a doctor to heal the sick. And we need to be so careful, intentional, to look for opportunities to do good work. How are you doing with that? Is it reactionary or is it intentional? And are you doing it with all of that said focus. Here's our big thought for us today. Remember simply this, the good Lord wants our good works. <laughs> Simple. The good Lord who died for you, who we place our faith in, he sent his son, that God so loved the world that he sent his son to die, that whomsoever believes in him, believes in him, believes in Jesus Christ, should not perish, because that's where humanity is going without Jesus Christ, should not perish, but have eternal life. You have eternal life if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. Great. The good Lord is good. And what does he want from us? He wants us to pursue living like Jesus. There's good works that flow out of living like Jesus. But you're a train wreck and I'm a train wreck. We're broken, aren't we? So I, I was reminded of a, of a bowl. <laughs> it's a crazy bowl. Have you guys ever seen these? It's a kintsugi, I think it's what it's called. I don't know. People can pronounce, correct me afterwards, whatever. But it's this Japanese art. This was the cheapest bowl I could find on Amazon, and it was $70. <laughs> you, know what, you know what this is? It's art, and it, it, it's a bowl that takes broken pieces. You literally shatter it. You pick up the pieces, and then you take glue infused with gold, and you put it back together to create art. In that realm, we could say that my Jesus is a pretty good kintsugi artist taking what we have shattered and broken in our own lives. You and I have shattered our lives. And we're trying to put it back together again, and honestly, we're not so great at being artists in that realm. But my Jesus 
through his blood sent for us, sacrificed for us, is so good at taking broken things and making art out of it. So some of us know that. Some of us realize that. that that's what we love about our faith. But here's what I wanted to say. Here's why I really wanted to bring this up. This is not meant to sit in grandma's china closet and sit there for Thanksgiving only. <laughs> this is not meant to sit there and collect dust. This is art for a purpose. So, so if this is what you and I look like, we are beautiful when we're in the hands of Jesus. This represents more of our purpose. <laughs> Because when the dishes are dirty and it's piling up and it's like Landon or Brady or like Landon loves cereal after school. Dad, can I get a bowl of cereal? Sure, buddy. Well, everything's dirty. Oh, well, then go wash something. I don't know. But if this was sitting on the counter, you know what I would never think of? Hey, buddy, why don't you make a bowl of cereal out of the kintsugi bowl? I would never think to do that. Why? Because this is pristine. This is meant to be on a shelf and to be admired and looked at, and wowed. Yeah, great. That serves no purpose. <laughs> you and I look like this, while this represents more of our purpose, to be useful and good for something. So we look like this, and we live like this in the world to help others functionally find Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. As we go out sowing seeds of kindness, what is our prayer? Is that we would show kindness and that they would see the kindness of the Lord. That's why we always do our CKs in the name of Jesus Christ. We have been asked before, hey, can you go and love on these people, but you cannot give out a God loves you and so do we card. All right, well, then we can't do that because we will always show kindness in the name of Jesus. That's important to us. And so I wanted to close. I think Paul, uh, Paul iterate, reiterates this very powerfully in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter two. I want to read you this and then give you a challenge in light of you and I are art with a purpose. So think about that as I read this. But God, this is Ephesians chapter two, but God being rich in what? Mercy, we've talked about that. Uh, because of his what? What motivated him? His great love for which he loved us. He loves us and he acted upon it. Even when we were dead, that was the old train wreck us, uh, dead in our train, uh, trespasses. But God did what? While we were dead, while we were sinners, God, God came in and reached in and, and what? Made us alive together, what? With Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Oh, so good. Hey, Paul clarifies. And raised us up with him who seated uh, uh, us with him in the heavenly places. That's our inheritance. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by what? Grace. You have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his what? Workmanship. The Greek gets at Poetry, art, kansugi, <laughs> created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. You are art with a purpose. So here's my challenge to you as we leave here, as I was thinking about this week. 
something that we have going on. This is the last week, and so I thought it was appropriate to challenge you guys with it, is that we are $2,400 away from hitting our $15,000 goal to pour out $50 gift cards into our community on December 4th uh, to help feed people in the name of uh, ShopRite gift cards with God Loves You and So Do We cards. Uh, will people take advantage of it? Sure. Do people take advantage of Jesus? Sure. <laughs> will people know the name of Jesus? They're only going to know the name of Jesus. Are we going to force conversations? Nope, Jesus doesn't force a conversation, but we're going we're to invite people into a conversation. We're going to love on them in the name of Jesus, which I think is pretty christ and so I'm challenging you as ones who have been saved by Jesus to help other people. And so here's an opportunity that we're giving out as a church to, to, to you can go on push pay or drop a check, whatever, it's just say food fund. And we are about $2,400 away from hitting our $15,000 goal to wildly bless our community because it's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. Would you guys stand and sing with me?